Hi, I'm Scott. I'm a composer of Overeater. My phone number is 718-877-4898 for calls and texts. I'm from New York City, so that's east. So I'm on the eastern coast, east coast time. Okay, you know I'm not sure how I ever became a composer of Overeater, whether it was just something that happened in the genes, but it was something that started. Not right away as other people, but it's been started to the first recollection I have is when I was about nine years old. Now, just to let you know, I've been in program. Next month will be 29 years in program. I have, and I have 21 years of recovery with a 360-pound weight loss. I've been maintaining that weight loss for the past 18 years. And it has probably been the best thing I've done. And and the best thing I've done was to come into this program, although I did not come in willingly or knowledgeably, but I did come in. I had known about OA for quite some time. I did go to some meetings, but not to where it stuck. I am not in desperation. You know, I was about nine years old. I started to overeat. I did start to put some weight on to where it was a concern for my parents and my doctor. My parents tried anything to get me to lose the weight, you know, to stop eating so much, but I was a sneak. I would be sneaky. I would lie about what I was eating, and the weight was still coming on. Coming on. The, um, you know, I didn't gain, you know, I was starting to put weight on, but not that much where I could not play sports. I was in. I played six years of little league baseball. I was able. I was good. I was able to get around, really much. A year of junior high school softball, and I was able to do it. But the, but the weight started to come on and on. And my parents tried anything. They tried shame. You know, they tried bribery, a dollar a pound, and the uh, and the, and it just didn't work because I was just gained the weight back. For it, and I was very, you know, I was very hard, you know, I was very hard in my clothes. You know, through the two years I spent in junior high school, I can't tell you how many pairs of pants I wore out because of the weight issues. Because of the weight issues, I would, you know, my parents, when I was going to public school, my parents gave me lunch to bring with me. I would have lunch in school. And they would give me about at that time it was the sixties, about fifteen cents to get a glass of milk with it, and I spent it on food. And they never knew anything about it until someone saw me and mentioned it to my parents. And I lied to them. I said I'm usually a little extra hungry, so they gave me more money, and I spent the whole thing on food. Only I went somewhere else to hide out to have it, and that's what I was doing. That's what I was doing. You know, and I would eat for, you know, I didn't really need a reason to eat. I ate when I was depressed. I ate when I was angry. There were good times. You know, when I would go to a wedding, I can't tell you how my eyes lit up when I saw the smorgasbord and and how much food there was. I would stuff myself so much I really didn't have room for the dinner. But as soon as the second smorgasbord came out, somehow I found the room. And that's pretty typical, you know, behavior, at least for me, when it came when it came to the food. And in teenagers, I was still eating, my and my 
you know, just eating and eating and gaining the weight and being hard on my clothes. My doctor put my put me on my first so-called diet, you know, at age 10. Three, they just had three meals a day, a snack or two in between, and that's all you need. To, and that's all you need. And I did it for a while because I was doing it for the approval of my parents and the doctor, and it just didn't stick. I found ways to, you know, that I was getting it back. They sent me to therapy, and it never worked. You know, mainly because the therapy alone does not work for us, but also I would not be honest with the therapist. Of course not. I could not be honest with myself. There was no sense of acceptance. I so ran the gamut through my teenage years, and I was and I was gaining the weight to the point where I graduated from a children's store to an Army and Navy store, you know, to an Army and Navy, to a big man store, and eventually to a catalog. To a catalog, and you know, I, I would have illnesses hit me harder because my resistance was lower. I've had back injuries because of the excess weight, and still nothing deterred me to really stick to anything to lose the weight and get past the food issues. Now, my when you when I was going into the mid seventies, I was still trying to do anything to do it, and. My sister was following a commercial plan. She gave me the plan. I followed it, and the only reason why I did not go to these meetings is because I thought that they would—they could not weigh me, and that's what I thought. I was under the impression they could not weigh me, and I never went, so I just followed it. And my mother was following it also, and eventually it was found out that they could get me weighed because it was in that time it was a doctor's balance scale, not none of these digital scales, and they would put an extra piece on the scale to get me weighed in. I had joined, and I was I knew I was heavy, but I was shocked at the number. I was a little over 400 pounds at that time, and it was just like in my mid to early to mid 20s. Now I had been suffering from extremely high blood pressure. I was had a stiff regimen of medication because of the weight, and still I was doing it. But but I was but I was good with the, this particular plan, this commercial diet, mainly because they gave you all sorts of low, mostly low calorie foods. You could graze in between, stick with the low calorie foods, and you do it. And I had, and of course it worked. It worked. I was eating all day, basically, and still losing weight. It doesn't make sense that I was literally eating myself to a weight loss. But I had lost about 120 pounds the first time and then started to backslide. I would tell the lecturer, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I'm gaining weight. He said, here's a food diary. Write it down. I wasn't about to be honest, so of course I stuck to the plan, and I still started to lose the weight again. And so back and forth. I lost 100 pounds the first time, 120. The second time, 100 pounds again. The third time, 200 pounds and gained it back. And I was gaining it back little by little. You know, it just, it just couldn't last that long. And I also suffered from, you know, body, bad, really bad body image issues. I didn't like the way I, was, I looked, you know, in my clothes. I didn't like the extra weight. 
you know, and pictures, I always took pictures, but I just didn't like to look at them. I saw from the body image issues. I did very little dating because I felt who's going to want to date a person my size? And anybody who did was just being nice. It's like a mercy date, and that's what, and that's the way I felt. So I, so I really lost out on a lot, and I couldn't do well in school because of my concentration, the food issues, the sugar and flour was interfering with my, with my learning. So I graduated from high school just barely, went to college for like a year and a half or two years, and just stopped. I was living literally on unemployment and seasonal jobs, and that's it. And, you know, and it wasn't working. Now, when I started to lose weight again, I had gone back to school. I started to lose the weight again, going back to school, had the confidence to finish with my associates. I was seeing someone that I broke up with. I started seeing somebody else who I really liked, and we eventually got married. Now, she had reminded me that she was among, she was one among others who had told me, that they liked me for me, and they didn't care about the weight. They looked beyond the weight. And I don't even remember all this. I honestly don't. But they looked beyond the weight, and, you know, and they didn't care. So here I am, married on my own for my first time, working a full-time job, working evenings. And I would go, you know, and, you know, I would go to work, I would bring my own lunch, but still buy something extra. And I would tell my coworkers, well, on this program, I could still have extra. It was, you know, I really wasn't sticking to anything. I was going back and forth. How I got into the program was, was, how I got into the program was that my wife was 12-step oriented. Her ex-husband was an alcoholic, so she was familiar and again, for the approval, I started going to meetings. I sat in the back, didn't associate with anybody. I really couldn't identify with anybody because I'd be binging before and after and thinking about the food during the meeting. And I got to the point where I stopped going to the meetings. I'd come home. I would pass her place of employment, so I'd walk around the block so that she wouldn't see me coming home when I should have been at a meeting. And at the house... I would tell her all sorts of stuff that went on with the meeting. I kept careful step, uh, track of a step, of a step meeting. I kept giving her past qualifications. And eventually she found out and knew she couldn't do anything. Do anything. Now, you fast forward about four years. Somebody told me about a treatment center near where I lived, you know, on Long Island. And I took the number. I said, I'll think about it. I thought about it for a, a, a for about a minute and a half, and then went right back to the binging. Now you, now you, now you fast forward two more years, and the weight gain. I was up to five hundred. I was up to four hundred seventy-one pounds. We couldn't go away on vacations anymore because I couldn't find, fit behind the wheel of a car, or the extensions, or the airline, or the trays, and we couldn't do that. And I was seeing myself as a thin person. And I realized the only way to do it is the food issues. Deal with the food issues and not a diet. I called up this treatment center for eating disorders. I got in there. I literally had to push my way in because she said there's no room. They said that 
desperation when they said, you better make room, because on Monday morning at 8 o'clock, I'm showing up at your doorstep. That got me in. But still, OA was the furthest thing from my mind. When I was admitted and got to the unit, there were the steps and traditions, the posters, and I knew what I was in for. I was there for four and a half weeks. When I came back, I, this time willingly, I went right back to that first meeting that I ever started with, which was a Saturday morning meeting, but a huge room, standing room only. We must have averaged like 100 to 150 people for that in-person meeting. And I did very well. I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. I did all the service that I could, but I was working the steps haphazardly, and I was living too much on the pink cloud. It lasted about 14 months, and my marriage had been more or less rocky because we were going back and forth. We had gone away on a vacation, my first absent vacation. I came back. I had switched jobs. I had been gone back to work on a night that I wasn't supposed to. And when I came back the next morning, that pink cloud was broken. When I found my wife in bed, the, you know, the victim of an attempted suicide. I, I did what I could to get to a hospital. I was able to save her life. But I found that there was something draining out of me. And it wasn't just the feelings. It was the recovery. Within the two weeks I was going to see her in the hospital, she was in bad shape and an inch away from death's door before she pulled through. There was a sign on a flu grocery store, three items for a dollar, and I went for it. Somehow I didn't even think about it, and I was on my way to a relapse. I had lost about 206 pounds at that time, and I thought I made it, and it didn't work. I went back to a rehab the second time, only to save my job and the marriage. It didn't work. I was still in relapse. We eventually divorced, but I'm still good friends. I've lost my job, and I was on disability. But the one thing I never did was I never left the meetings. I always kept coming back. And people read this as a cry for help. They tried to get me to places that would somehow get my recovery back. They got me to a weight loss clinic at a major New York hospital. They got me to this diet doctor who helped me lose, who was helping me trying to lose the weight. And eventually, when I was struggling, he put me on an appetite suppressant. And my way was thinking, well, what's the harm? It's under a doctor's care. Meanwhile, it made me anorexic, but I lost the weight. And the minute they recalled the medication, five minute notice. I was off to the races. The third, uh, what got me into this recovery was another treatment center. I'd been on disability, another treatment center, which was a little different being we had to do our own shopping and cooking. He took me off sugar and flour. My mother had passed away. My father was very sick. I got in for eight, after a two-year fight with insurance, and it got me my recovery back. They took sugar and flour away from my, out of my, what they call proper diet, but that's what works for me. What I learned was that works for me, weighing and measuring my food, religiously. You know, there's very few times where I did not, such as a wedding, and I learned to put my own recovery first. I learned I could go enjoy things like a wedding, a holiday, without having to focus on the food. 
And if I learned to put my own recovery first, even before my own father, which I was the caretaker, he was just one or two caretakers, and he had passed away, and I came through the period of mourning very nicely, abstinently. And even and now that I was employable, I had quit a job because it attacked my recovery, and that job was instrumental in getting me into another job through an internship and a and it turned permanent. I'm now working for a major New York hospital, and and the blessing is when I was the blessing is when I was not supposed to live past 40. I am turning 70 this year, and through the blessings of this recovery, at the end of the year, I'm looking forward to retiring. I would not have been able to do it without the support of this group. And just to let you know, I was at a high weight when I went into that treatment center the last time. I was at a high weight of about 550 pounds. I had three square meals a day, weighed and measured, a snack at night, and that is it. And I even realized that when I started to gain weight in abstinence, and I knew I had to do that, I reached out to the help from a nutritionist who tweaked the food plan that she had given me. Just a little tweak to the evening snack, and that was it, and I really lost the weight. The maintaining the weight and maintaining my recovery was the was the was is my number one choice. So I'd like to leave it here. Again, I'm on the East Coast, Eastern Standard Time. My name is Scott T. And my phone number again is seven one eight eight seven seven four eight nine eight. That's my cell. You could call or text. Thank you.